Bitcoin was originally created to be peer-to-peer -peer cash, but not necessarily to handle all of the payments and all of the transactions in the world. Ethereum was another step towards this, but many would argue that we need more purpose-fit layer one blockchains. And that's what Mark Smargon is building over at Fuse. We talked about how crypto and blockchain can replace the payment networks of the world and how the existing parties that dominate the payment space will eventually be using our technology. We should probably start with you offering a bit of background on how you got into this crazy crypto space and what you're actually building right now. So feel free to go ahead and give us that story. Sure. So um, I'm the CEO of Fuse and we're building uh, um, for the last three and a half years uh, an L1 uh, for businesses. Uh, and before that, I uh, was one of the uh, founders of Colu, which was uh, building the colored coins protocol on top of Bitcoin. And that was one of the, you can call it the predecessors of Ethereum. Um, it's a, a very veteran project, uh, still being used here and there, but mostly being uh, completely over, overtaken by Ethereum. Uh, before that, 2013, I think I bought my first Bitcoin. Not I think, it's actually been 10 years. Uh, exactly. Uh, and uh, it, was a, it was a roller coaster. But the first thing that, uh, that I was uh, um, doing in crypto was really, uh, you know, I just wanted a whole Bitcoin, one whole Bitcoin, something psychological where people want like a whole uh, uh, coin. And uh, my background is e-commerce. I'm doing uh, like I'm an entrepreneur in, in that space for 20 something years. And, um, and I've been uh, doing websites uh, and e-commerce uh, back when it wasn't fashionable uh, in, in the early 2000s. And, uh, and if you look at uh, Bitcoin, you know, I, for me, it was like a, a ha moment. This is where like the first thing that came to my head when I when I used it, when I tried to play with the technology, I'm not an investor. I'm not. I just wanted that one whole Bitcoin. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the first thing that popped into my head is like, that's amazing. Now uh, people from Israel can sell to Americans because to this day, if you want to sell to Americans, you need to be physically based in the US. If you want to use Stripe or or Plaid or something like that. Uh, so that's actually still the case 10 years later, you know, nothing, cha nothing changed much. Uh, so that, that's re really why we're, uh, like everything I did in crypto, uh, I had three, three companies, all of them were trying to solve that, uh, that aspect. And I think this last iteration fuse is really the culmination of everything we, we learned. We, we, we tried to sell Bitcoin, uh, you know, as a, as a means of payment, we realized nobody wants to pay with Bitcoin. So we thought what we can do with this technology to do something that today people call stable coins, but back in the day we did NFTs, stable coins, nobody called them that. Um, uh, but we saw that the technology wasn't really like Bitcoin wasn't meant to be uh, doing anything other than Bitcoin. So for us, you know, it wasn't really the right technology. And then Ethereum came and still uh, in 2017, it was very, very clear that, you know, the future is probably not fully centralized or fully decentralized. It's something in the middle. And this is how Fuse, uh, uh, um, you know, was born because somewhere between Ethereum and Visa, we need something like Fuse that is right in the middle. We're going to dig into Fuse in a minute, but I, I love yeah. uh, that you were involved in Colu and Colored Coins. I mean, that was obviously, I remember Yoni from uh, eToro kind of was championing championing the Colored Coins idea. And I know yeah. people in Israel who use Colu quite 
frequently as their main means of payment in those years. And so now we're back to this debate again, interestingly, with ordinals and all the things being built on Bitcoin about what to do with that block space and whether things should be built on Bitcoin. It seems you moved on. So, so what think, do you make of the debate now? Yeah, I think I think that uh, that uh, technology should not be speculative. You know, there's uh, there's uh, a lot of speculation around uh, you know pieces of code, and that's just not how technology works. Technology is uh, you know when when people use a technology, they usually don't talk about it. If everybody using it, nobody's really uh, you know selling you know the technology. They're selling selling the usage. And uh, what uh, what uh, happens with Bitcoin uh, in the early days is that we really try to see what we can do with the technology. You know, the discussion back then was, do we need a blockchain? Because maybe it's a, a way to 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 just not say Bitcoin. You know, in the, back in in those early days, people were saying the technology is not interesting if you remove the token out of it. If you remove the the name Bitcoin, uh, you left with you know what uh, something that is not really usable. So that was the a disagreement back then. The Bitcoin folks were saying that Bitcoin should not be used for anything other than Bitcoin, that uh, building your own blockchain is a blasphemy, uh, that uh, everything you're doing uh, uh, with colored coins is spam. You know, that, that's not something that the com community like just, just uh, said on Twitter. This is like formal uh, discussions we had with like the the core developers of Bitcoin. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's 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 needless to say that uh, changing something in the Bitcoin space to accommodate it for something that is not Bitcoin is is not even you know on 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 the list of priorities. There's much more, and uh, that's one thing. What the other thing is that uh, that you look at this uh, and you say the technology is not important, like the the how to create something. Because everybody knows if you're enough time in, in, in tech, you know that there's no, like almost every technological effort, you know, if you put enough time and money on it, you can solve it. Um, so it's it's really a question of like, what would be the trade-offs? What would be the business model? What the regulars, regulators will say? Um, we, we understood today that uh, like those ideas, uh, like we, we had at Colo just uh, a decision to make. Do we want to solve Bitcoin's uh, uh, scaling problems or we want to tackle a use case, the, prove that there is a demand? And we definitely found the right use case to do because we had half a million installations and 4,000 merchants here uh, doing uh, uh, a city coin, like uh, just uh, very similar to, maybe not that similar, but because we actually had traction uh, uh, you have like things like Miami coin and, uh, you Which know, quietly, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm saying uh, we actually had like a centralized product because we understood that the Bitcoin technology is not ready for even that scale. The numbers I told you is like way, way above what, uh, what the technology can handle. Um, um, and, you know, in terms of, uh, of, uh, of timing, it just was the first uh, payment app in Tel Aviv, uh, ever. So. We, we brought like the, the local version of Venmo for the first time. So banks are really interested. So it was a really good uh, use case, um, but we didn't prove that Bitcoin is ready to, uh, Bitcoin was ready for prime time yet. Uh, and we already saw it was in 2015, Ethereum already uh, was released. Uh, we, the minute Ethereum went, went out, uh, Colored Coin became obsolete. So it, it, it made it obsolete overnight. 
uh, we were one of the first teams to work on Ethereum and uh, see its potential. And we understood that even Ethereum, you know, it's not really, uh, it's a step in the, in the right direction, but it's still not something we can actually use for our product. And the, the effort of my team was always, how can we create a product that attaches um, uh, consumption, uh, sorry, attaches the, uh, like create a loyalty program, a consumer club, where the, it has a token that is pegged to the consumption of the community. So the more the community spends and grows, the higher the token will go, but make it, you know, make it a, something that is equivalent to, you know, Starbucks loyalty program and not something right. that resembles Bitcoin. And that was the big, uh, like in the world without, like before stable coins, it was really hard to imagine something like that. So that, that was, uh, you know, it, it required a lot of, uh, trial and error, you know, and took a, few, a lot of years to reach this point that we are now. So it's interesting, your trajectory in crypto sort of mirrors the trajectory of crypto, right? That yeah. is, has followed the evolution. Fuse, obviously, yeah. I believe is an L1, correct? Uh, yeah. To aptly describe. So you had Bitcoin with layer one, really. Ethereum, yeah. another layer one. And now after working on Ethereum, you have another layer one that you said sort of sits between Ethereum and Visa or the the legacy financial system. So, why create your own chain, right? With with so many in existence, what does creating a new chain offer? What's unique to it, and what is the problem then exactly that you're trying to solve? So, first of all, uh, uh, Ethereum allows us to uh, like the reason we really uh, were excited about Ethereum and 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 like the the, the new you know. Um, the new frontier or like the new thing that it enables is really the ability to separate the consensus layer from the business logic. The fact that we have uh, smart contracts means that we can start talking about, uh, you know, very elaborate, very complicated business models, uh, which is what I think this technology is good for, you know, to, to innovate on new uh, business models. And uh, we don't need to think about the, the scaling problem as a, as like one thing you know you can start to look at blockchains or uh, this technology is something more modular where you can think about a a, a use case like uh, uh, like nfts and you don't really need to think about the nfts uh, connected to any single ledger uh, so you can separate very complicated questions about governance about who's the issuer Who's the who's like how, how do we manage permissions and how do we talk about it with regulators and still do experiments because you can't really experiment on on CBDCs on a large scale or stable coins uh, without something like stable coins right so um, um, when I'm looking at uh, at Fuse I'm saying uh, we're not really uh, I don't see myself as necessarily an L1 uh, it's just that people uh, you know there's a hype around L1s we just looked for something that allows us to build the, the layer that we need for our use case. Um, something that we know will be future-proof, something that will interoperate with other networks. And actually our pitch for investors in 2019 was really simple, although blockchain payments were not really a thing. People really weren't you know, talking or fundraising stuff, stuff like payments. Uh, actually today it's very different. But back in 2019, uh, it was really hard to explain Web3 or payments or stuff like that. Um, you know, early stablecoin projects almost didn't have any, like it was really the beginning uh, for them. So what we, uh, what we really uh, said in 2019, that the future is multi-chain, they're probably going to be more than one blockchain. 
and we need to build uh, different uh, 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 ecosystems for different use cases. And what our ecosystem is not has nothing to do with uh, permissionless, uh, like censorship resistant prediction market or, or or a completely decentralized new economy. We actually want to connect into the Visa world. We want to connect into Stripe and Square. Uh, we want to be able to uh, create a, a system that works not only for Americans. And even in America, in North America, there's a, a, a very small amount of players that charge a lot of money. So all of the all of the payments industry in North America is dominated by three, four companies that they all charge three three percent roughly. Um, uh, there's no real uh, interoperability between payments infrastructures, and definitely cross-border payments is almost not 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 even discussed. Like that's not really uh, even uh, uh, possible. You know, if if I do all all of, all of what I need, if I want to sell to Americans, I need to do it all over again for Europeans. Um, so um, I'm saying that there's uh, there's a lot of uh, of um, of innovation for this technology uh, when it comes to payments because payments are mostly done on legacy infrastructure and the only companies that benefit from this are companies that try to plug in all all of this legacy infrastructure like Stripe. Um, they are the only uh, beneficiaries of this inefficiency. Uh, and uh, if we replace them by a blockchain, we're not necessarily replacing them by one company. We just let more competition happen. So building a blockchain for this, let's say that we get to the point where you can service companies all around the globe, become their merchant, that we have a global payment system without having to reinvent the wheel in every single jurisdiction, as you described. Are we going to be transferring dollars? Are we going to be transferring stable coins? What what's going to be the uh, base layer currency for doing that, or is it so, going to be uh, all currencies? Yeah, so I think uh, you, we need to think about it in the context of uh, of uh, you know uh, we we see now uh, we didn't see it before, but we see now uh, a competition on on stable dollar stable coins. We'll start seeing more and more demand for uh, alternative coins, alternative currencies, and uh, we will start to see. Uh, more experiments on 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 CBDCs, and I and I see stablecoins as the last mile for CBDCs because usually central banks are really good are not good at retail products, and they're definitely not good at products where they where they need to be the guinea pig, they need to to, to be the first uh, operator, or where they uh, actually have to build the technology, <laughs> or they actually have, yeah they're, they're very they're very risk averse, and I think they want this uh, especially. Uh, want the macroeconomic data in real time. They want the the benefits of this, right? And CBDCs uh, is really the start of of how you uh, regulate stablecoins. That that's my assumption. That's my hope. Uh, I definitely don't want to see a China style stablecoin, but uh, uh, I I don't think you can call what China has a stablecoin. Uh, but uh, I don't want uh, uh, this to be also what uh, the U.S. government is doing. What what I hope that will happen is that all the retail uh, uh, part of of CBDCs will be the stable coins. You know, you will be able to monitor the 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 exit and entry point of people into the local fiat system, and you can do this in every country. So theoretically, uh, you could move money much easily between countries. You can uh, you can get instant settlement on funds. You can effectively have lower uh, interest rate, uh, less friction in the system. Uh, uh, velocity of the currency will be higher. 
uh, there will, will be more you know power for every dollar that is uh, moved uh, inside the system uh, because it's uh, it's processed digitally you know still most of the world is not yet uh, online like if you're looking at the e-commerce that's not even you know even in the us it's not the majority of shopping right it's still a, a long way to go until we uh, we envision you know everything digital and i think this is one of the missing blocks because the internet right now everything um, everything that has to do with payments is still being done offline you know somebody needs to wake up in the morning and flip the switch um, and uh, even if you look at countries like israel it's very advanced, uh, you know, te technologically, uh, I would say it's probably one of the biggest tech centers outside of the Silicon Valley. Uh, but in terms of local payments infrastructure, um, there's nothing here. It's mostly, uh, you know, four or five banks uh, that are managing a, a communication system between themselves. Right. Uh, so there's no Stripe, there's no Square and uh, everything really expensive because of that you know and you see even in advanced countries you have this problem obviously this is a very disruptive technology for payments and quite a few other things and you've believed that for 10 years do you view this as a replacement for the existing system do you view it as a parallel rail for the unbanked sort of as you described or do you think that this is just the future technology that these huge stripes and plaids and all the systems you described, do you think they're just going to adopt it and utilize it within their existing systems? Yeah, so I think uh, this is not a Bitcoin type of, uh, of solution. Uh, I see this as a non-consumer focus. Like I don't see blockchains as something that is going to be consumer focused in the future. It's not gonna, like when you look at the product and you're not sure if it's B2C or B2B, it's probably B2B. <laughs> uh, um, when I look at, uh, at uh, Ethereum, I see something which is in the direction of, of, uh, of a cloud product. A, a cloud solution. It doesn't make sense to ask the consumer to pay for AWS bill. You know, it doesn't make sense for consumers to interact directly with the US dollar contract uh, without any form of abstraction in the middle. We're actually doing account abstraction for the last three years since day one, because we understood that the fees in the system will never be paid by, uh, by regular people. Because regular people don't know the term cost opportunity or opportunity cost. They don't see the fees the way a, a professional would see them. You know, the consumers in today's world, they want something like Robinhood. They don't want any minimums. They don't want any fees. They want something like Square Cash. They want something like Venmo. Uh, they're definitely not going back to paying fees anytime soon. They don't want to invest in Ethereum to buy an NFT. They don't want to show their wallet contents to every person in the, in the street or you know getting with an nft to a bar so everybody can see how much money you have in the wallet they don't want those things and they, they they're not like it's not a, you can say it's not a bug it's a feature but you know in the end of the day that doesn't scale you know uh, uh, our market is currently about 30 30 million users i don't see i, I feel like we reached like the 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 way we work today in crypto is is probably not going to look the same when we'll have billions of users so uh, what I uh, look at uh, with Fuse is that it's completely a white label B2B product that is focused on hiding the technology, uh, making it easy for businesses to use something that is completely open source, but uh, don't pay for it with uh, user with bad UX. So that, that's the trade-off that we're trying to solve with Fuse. 
uh, because usually if it's open source and, and decentralized and transparent, it's usually not not really that comfortable to use. So I think that's that that that's that's a trade-off that Fuse try to to solve, and this is also why we called our network Fuse. You know, it try it really tries yeah. to fuse together. Perfect name. <laughs> <laughs> so the, then the natural question becomes: so that seems like Fuse is a product that's very much built for the existing market, the problems that we have, and sort of as you described, abstracting away the complexity. Uh, of decentralized protocols. And we always get into the idea that grandma is never going to use these things because the UX and the UI are so complicated. That said, do you think we can get to a point where developers and programmers find ways to abstract away all that complexity and everything with crypto to where it does become as simple as I use the internet and I don't think about the underlying technology. I use a phone. I don't think about the underlying technology. I'm just making a payment and it is decentralized in the future, I'm saying. Can we get to there where you also don't have to know how to open a MetaMask wallet or buy some Ethereum or, or any of those things? So I, I think uh, I'll, I'll start from saying absolutely 100% yes, like to your question. We will get to a point where people are not building the infrastructure, but they're using it. There, there was a time, a point in time where Web2 was new. You know, people were talking about Web2. Uh, and web, web 2 was enabled by also a set of like technical improvements uh, and back back in the day it wasn't that clear you know when when the internet started to be more robust and new functionality added there was still a lot of ways to do stuff right uh, in look at perspective of 20 years and how technology evolved with the internet and you see that every person that gets into web development today takes about 10 times less uh, time or 10 times faster than it was uh, when, when Web2 was new. Uh, because the best practices weren't there, uh, the tooling wasn't there, uh, people were not really thinking, you know, uh, uh, you know, I need to build this and that. They were thinking about the technology and usually you don't need to think about the technology uh, today when you're building, uh, like it's it's not technically difficult today to do stuff that were very, very complicated 10 years ago. I see definitely 10 years from now, uh, we, if today we use Facebook, that would be absurd thought 10 years from I now. I hope so. I certainly no, hope so. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident because if you, if you want to compete with Facebook, it's almost impossible nowadays. And, and it's not a technical, uh, uh, you know, problem, right? Uh, if we are uh, clear on the vision of Web3, uh, building a social network or competing with Facebook should be easy. You should ask the users for their social graph and give them some incentive to share it with you. And the, the tech stack should be all, all, almost uh, you know, already figured out. This is also how I see for payments. You know, If I want to get paid, stable coins today are a game changer. Uh, because before stablecoins, if I want, wanted to pay somebody in Africa, I would need to go through Upwork or Fiverr and, and share 20% with them, 30%. Uh, let's say that I want to sell something on the App Store. You know, I have a scooter and I want to sell something on the App Store. I need to, to send uh, Google and Apple 30% of my revenue. And some projects, it's a, it's a, it's a no-go because they don't make even 3%, let alone 30% margins. Right. So you have so much innovation that is just, you know, waiting to happen just because the technology is not there yet. And just because people are using platforms instead of using, you know, 
the internet. Um, so yeah, that that that's that's uh, definitely something that's going to happen. Uh, there the, the will be some point. I don't know in, if it, it's an, it's it will take. I think it would take something like a year or two. It's not that far that people will stop building new infrastructure for stuff and we'll just have something robust, standard, battle tested, and proven. Will that be fused? So uh, this is uh, this is also why our stack is almost identical to Ethereum. We, we don't want to sell code. We don't want to sell data. Um, and we really don't see ourselves making uh, money from fees like Visa. Uh, it's a completely different business model where you're really using an EVM, but it's just running with a different tokenomics behind the scenes uh, to make it uh, usable for uh, real world businesses, things like recurrent payments, things like uh, uh, private credit payments, things like consumer protection, you know, things that are not handled by uh, current infrastructure. And how low would the fees be in the future, in theory? Talk about so, 3% with Stripe and Plaid. What is somebody looking at if they use a more decentralized or blockchain-based solution? Yeah, we actually wrote a lot about it in the last three years. At the beginning, we said that the fees needs to be capped, just like they're uh, capped on, uh, if you if you know, Gnosis Chain, uh, XDAI, yeah. uh, former XDAI. So they have like a fixed fee model, which I less, uh, I'm less sure about. Uh, you look at um, at uh, different uh, uh, publications we did over the years. At the beginning, we were also doing that approach. Do they understand that uh, that uh, um, because we're really building a vertical integration and thinking about you know simple payments, simple transfers, the cost can be very very low. Uh, if you actually try to optimize for a specific use case, you you can generate really big uh, cost reductions. So um, uh, we very much subscribe to the to the roll up uh, uh, vision that uh, Vitalik uh, created for uh, Ethereum 2.0. Uh, I don't believe that Ethereum will ever be, you know, the the base layer of Ethereum will ever be usable for uh, for retail, right? So uh, we, we've seen individual NFT projects like send gas fees across the entire network to over a thousand dollars. So I think that's right. been proven. Exactly. But I do know what is hurting, you know, because we're, we have pilots like our use cases on Fuse. This is why we, we really wanted to build an L1, because we really wanted to get those use cases out there. We have uh, loyalty programs in Thailand. We have a charity project in uh, in Spain. We have food delivery and, and, and sharing economy startups in, in, in UK. Uh, you know, we have different use cases in different places. And you can see that, you know, if you charge uh, even 10 cents for a transaction in Africa, it's a no-go sometimes, you know? Uh, so we're really trying to look at the, the least amount, like the cheapest uh, transactions possible. That That's our, our main, that's not our main selling point, but this is one of the big, uh, big, big achievements that you can actually be 99.9% uh, .9 cheaper, not only for the, for the operating cost, but also for the one-time development cost because it's open source. And can blockchain-based protocols for payments eventually scale to handle everything that the Visa and MasterCard and bank networks are handling? I mean, do we have enough you know, trans uh, transactions per second throughput? Can it happen fast? Can we handle this? Um, so not only, uh, so I think people are looking it backwards. I think uh, that there's a better chance that, uh, that uh, those systems can, can uh, handle this better than the legacy systems uh, like 
if you remember, you know, if you look at the visa, visa is, is not really, you know, visa is not really doing the last mile. Uh, visa is more on the back end. The, the clients of visa are the banks. It's not the, it's usually not the consumers. Um, you know, visa has the data and it's the system that, you know, that, that passes all the messages and sits on a gold mine of, of data. It does consumer protection and makes a lot of revenue from, from that. Uh, but uh, if you put uh, every transaction in the world uh, on Visa right now, it will collapse. Like it's definitely not not ready to handle uh, uh, the volume. Uh, POS uh, transactions, point of sale transactions in Europe are still mostly done in cash. I don't know the situation in America, but I think it's it's probably better. But it's still not mostly not credit cards. I would imagine in the United States, but. Yeah, but but you do have a big problem. Like in 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 every place that you have a, a lot of visa penetration, you have a lot of cash penetration. And who doesn't have cash where you don't have visa? Places like China, places like Nigeria. So why is that? You know, if the technology is that good, it's not cheap and it's not fast. That's the problem. You kind of talked about uh, central bank digital currencies. Seemingly as if they're an inevitability, which I think that they are, at least in, in a lot of countries. Is that something that uh, we should be adopting and building for? Or is that something that we should be pushing back against because of the privacy concerns and control of central banks? Um, so I think that uh, the central banks are the one of the major uh, beneficiaries of uh, blockchain technology. Like that, that's uh, uh, Bitcoin is a threat on uh, on the government model but as a technology uh, the the technology behind the scenes for bitcoin to move fiat money is uh, absolutely uh, uh, transformational for a central bank and i'll explain why the central bank currently has very little uh, it, it has a, a, an information gap it doesn't have any real-time data uh, to do good policies on like monetary policy you need more data you need, especially in a digital world, in the real-time data. You need to know uh, what is the velocity of the currency. You need to make decisions on 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 spending, and you you don't have this macroeconomic data. You never had. You don't know how many people are spending and where. Uh, all your uh, all the decisions by the central bank are a few months retro in retrospect. Um, you have uh, problems of uh, not only you know in terms of monetary policy but also simple problems of, of banking you know the fact that it's uh, it's a bit hard to uh, to create a new bank like it's super expensive uh, at least uh, in israel there's some places in the world where there's no local banking at all uh, they're too small uh, there's uh, international systems so cross border payments Usually, the smallest countries pay the most amount of money. Uh, like it's it's the most expensive to send money to Africa. Uh, and also, another absurd thing uh, is the fact that in every country, the smallest businesses are getting the highest fees. You know, if you're McDonald's, I rest. I, I am sure you're not paying the three percent sure. that the Square is charging. Uh, sure. Probably not paying even a one percent. Uh, so you see that uh, uh, when inflation comes, people start to to talk about those problems. When everybody are happy and the market is growing and everything seems like to be in invincible, but now I think the story starts to shift. You know, Google is no longer uh, at their all-time high. 
um, um, you know, Apple uh, is no longer, you know, you, you can start seeing that not all business models, Facebook, uh, and then you start to look for alternatives. So this is, I think, the best timing for alternatives to Visa, alternatives to Stripe, alternatives to Square. We talk about the alternatives to the Googles, I guess, and we obviously talked about Facebook or Meta. Do you think that the alternatives to most of these things will come from the crypto or blockchain decentralized versions space? Or do you think that we will see just future iterations? I mean, it would be more likely right now Facebook gets replaced by like a TikTok, right? Which is another centralized platform that's just more viral and 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 different. Or do you think that we can solve all of this decentralized social media, for example? Well, I think it's, a, it's an excellent question. I think that uh, the problem in the early days of crypto, people were using blockchain as a solution for everything. I remember in 2017, you would go to a conference and you would see flying cars on the blockchain and like ICOs raising money for jewelry and you know literally everything swimsuit giving out pamphlets and um so I I I really think that uh, that those days are over like people uh, it's like much more mature uh, space I still have one problem because I'm not really uh, uh doing anything related to social media uh, we do work a lot on on DADs on decentralized identity uh, trying to do re like reusable KYC. There's a lot of things where we touch that have to do with uh, the social part, but I think fundamentally Ethereum is not built for that. In my opinion, Ethereum is a, is a financial uh, product, first and foremost. It was, it was uh, an attempt to rethink how the, the economy, like how our economy will look like uh, if it was rebuilt completely from scratch by, by developers without ever prior knowledge of, of, of regulation. Uh, and it's not really a one-size-fits-all solution for every problem of humanity. Uh, in my opinion, it it's mostly has to, to do with, 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 with money. Like it's mostly has to do with financial interactions with money. Uh, that's the part that the internet is, is, is like lacking right now. So uh, I feel like the internet has actually, um, uh, like a lot of good stuff can be born out of it, but maybe it's not the same technology. Like if you look at Near, for instance, you know, you, you, at some point you do need to think if, if Solidity is one size fits all solution. You know, if you can do like just every use case and I'm not, not sure about it. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I don't think that we need swimsuits on the blockchain, probably. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're up against time. So where can everybody check out Fuse and uh, follow you and keep up with everything that you're doing and building? At the Fuse.io, uh, check out our website. We actually launched a lot of new stuff lately and uh, be sure to subscribe to our channel to get more updates. Uh, we have a lot of uh, like a pack type April. So uh, go for it. Well, I can't wait to have you back when you've replaced Visa. <laughs> Thank you. Always good to be back. Thank Happy you. To be back. Let's do